If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 356 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Jamie Carragher of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald's. We talk about a very busy weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. There was a, a quite a fun UFC fight night on Saturday night. Uh, 1FC had a card, Will Flory had a big win, we will get to that, uh, and there was uh, a couple of other things as well which we shall talk about today. Before we get into all of that, we must tell you about our friends over at Manscaped because spring has sprung and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools uh, for some spring cleaning in your pants. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming like the flowers this upcoming spring. Time to clear out that winter bush and join the other 4 million men who trust Manscaped. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Um, and I know like myself and Graham have been using Manscaped for a long time, and they've been absolutely fantastic partners for us and we it's our happy announcement we've gone on for another few months as well into the summer so it's great uh, to be uh, partnered up with Manscaped and if you can support them we would be very very glad of that because it's supporting us as well uh, and to do that you could get the performance package 4.0 it's absolutely fantastic inside that bundle you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer which I'll talk about more in a second as well as the ear and uh, nose hair trimmer the weed whacker they also have the crop preserver ball deodorant uh, and toner as well. Um, then you can get the boxer briefs and the travel bag as well, which are the two free gifts which you get along with the package. That lawnmower 4.0, which I mentioned there earlier, uh, that's the pube assassin. That's waterproof and equipped with an LED light, so you bet it's a major key to the new shower routine. The Elite Trimmer is designed to trim hair and loose skin. Although your balls might look like punching bags, it's no need to treat them like that. Uh, and and, uh, you know, you can benefit from that, uh, benefit even from that proprietary skin safe technology. Have you ever met someone who finds uh, nose hairs attractive? Probably not. So get the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer that also has that proprietary skin safe technology, which helps helps reduce nicks, schnegs, tugs in those delicate holes. Then the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. The Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer. It's starting to get hot, so you'll need that. And the uh, Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls which will help keep you smelling fresh down there just like the spring and if there are any ladies listening as well sure buy them for the the old husband or the 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 the, the boyfriend or the whoever your your uh your uh fa- male family member is they could do with it as well um so yeah complete your grooming game with the refined cologne as well which is absolutely delicious um uh, it's the signature cologne from manscaped to uh you know 
get you smelling like royalty above and below the waist. If you purchase now, you'll re- receive the two free gifts. As I mentioned, the boxer briefs and the shared travel bag, which is actually right behind me right now, the shared travel bag is. So I've had that for like, I don't know, 18 months at this stage. I haven't used it much, obviously, because we haven't been able to go anywhere with the Rona. But uh, the last couple of trips away to Bellator reviews and stuff, brilliant. I absolutely love it. So smell good and feel good this spring. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMayManscape.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMayManscape.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life at Manscaped.com. Right, Graham, let's get, uh, let's get straight into it here. Big weekend in the world of mixed martial arts, as I mentioned on the intro, the UFC and all that. I want to talk quickly about the, the Irish guys first. I know uh, there was at least three Irish guys fighting this week. Maybe we'll... Uh, uh, <laughs> there's so many Irish guys fighting uh, this weekend. Uh, uh, actually, there was four. Norman Park uh, was fighting over in uh, in KSW as well in like a, a mad boxing match. I actually didn't uh, didn't manage to see that, but I believe he won. So uh, fair, fair play to Norman. I think his opponent broke his thumb or something like that. But I'm sure we'll have, uh, we'll have Sean Dini to discuss that. In uh in more uh in more context maybe at some stage over at Patreon, uh but uh, look it's good to see Norman out there doing his uh you know doing his thing earning his money so fair fair play to him. I was actually talking to him on DMs there recently for a second and he was like ah, I'm I'm kind of Polish now anyway so I was like oh yeah fair fair play Norman fair play so yeah you know Norman's been uh. You know, Norman's been around the scene for a good while, and I'm happy to see him. I'm happy to see him doing well out there. But in the MMA realms, uh, Kenny Mokahana fought this weekend as the John Mitchell and Will Flory. Uh, I didn't manage to ken- catch the Kenny one, so I'll throw it over to you in a second, Graham. But first of all, to Will Flory and uh, and John Mitchell, who are fighting on the UAE Warriors show uh, this uh, Saturday night. Uh, unfortunately for John Mitchell, he ended up uh, losing for the first time in his career. He got guillotined uh, against uh, Mazur, his, uh, his Polish opponent. I was talking to someone uh, about him, and they were like, he's the... He's the sort of guy who doesn't have the greatest record, doesn't maybe have the biggest name, but if you look at the people he's fought uh, and look at where he's coming from, you're thinking, oh, this guy is a tougher fighter than maybe people assume coming into it. But, you know, if you're looking at the performance from John Mitchell, it lasted. It didn't last too long, but he was winning the fight up until it finished. Um, there was a bit of a scramble on the ground. He went for um, a kind of a takedown from that scramble. It wasn't like he went through the blast double or anything like that, but when he did, he left his head completely kind of exposed and got caught in a guillotine. Look, it's one of those, I suppose it's one of those mistakes you make early in your career and you'll probably never make it again. I'd say it's, you know, some sometimes you lose a fight and you're thinking, oh, what, what happened? How did I lose it? You lost by a close decision or, you know, it was nip and tuck or something like that. But the one saving grace, I suppose, for John Mitchell is that he knows what happened. You know, anyone anyone watching that fight knows knows exactly what happened and that, and it's something you can kind of clearly see and uh, clearly uh, adjust for going forward in your career. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be back in the gym and he'll be working doubly hard on his jiu-jitsu and doubly hard on, on uh, his defensive jiu-jitsu and, and other stuff as well as the, uh, you know, with, with the uh, over the next couple of months. Um, and then Will Flory, just a dominant performance from Will Flory over five rounds. This was the performance of Will Flory's career, and I've—I don't know—I'd probably said, "Have I watched all of his fights?" I think I might have. I don't—I don't know. I'd have to go back and, and check his record, but he—he um, he just destroyed Tarek Suleiman over five rounds. He really, really did. It was. 
it was an easy win, an easy performance for, for Will Flory, really. Uh, he came out in the first round, knocked Suleiman down almost immediately, uh, dominated the rest of the round on top bar the last few seconds. Um, he got taken down in the start of the second, and you're thinking, oh, maybe is this the tie turn a little bit, but absolutely not. Uh, Flory immediately uh, won the scramble and got the back of Suleiman. Um, I said there for the rest of the round, so he was definitely two rounds up in the third. It was another dominant round for Will Flory. Hurt Tarek with the striking, landed some elbows from the bottom. Uh, he was briefly taken down himself, but managed to get on top as well and dominated uh, the majority of the grappling before almost getting the finish late. Uh, two rounds to go at that stage. I had two 10-8 rounds already then. The fourth again, he knocked Tarek down early. Almost had the arm triangle. Um, won most of the scrambles. And in the fifth, it was another you know, five minutes of, of grappling domination. So there was no case for Sullivan in any round. And uh, Will Flory, the, the middleweight champion now over in uh, in UAE Warriors, and he said just there on Twitter this morning, I saw as I, as I woke up, someone uh, tweeted at him with me in the mentions, and Will was kind of saying, look, next stop for me is I'm going to win and win and win and win and get to the UFC. And, you know, the way he's improving over the last while, I don't think... I, I don't think you could doubt him. You know, I think he'd probably keep winning. And, uh, you know, the middleweight, we know middleweight's not that strong. Um, and a good fighter like Will Flory can win five, six fights in a row and get to you. So you mightn't even need that, you know. So this is a big win for Will Flory on a big stage on Fight Pass as well, which absolutely matters. So he'll be going on to uh, to the next level. What what did you think? I know you didn't didn't catch it all, but you've known Will for a long time. And John Mitchell as well, Graham. What, what were your thoughts on after the UAE Warriors card? Yeah, as you were kind of saying with, with John Mitchell, that's a that's a good learning experience, you know, as you step up the levels and step up against more experienced guys, uh, y- you know, you don't get away with little momentary mistakes like um, placing your head in the wrong place uh, while trying to get on top. And, you know, he, he, as, as he's coming up, he, he's looked really good. And I don't think this is a derailment or anything. This is just a learning curve. This, is, this happens to a lot of very good fighters, guys who... You know, I'm not saying John Mitchell will be a champion. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But guys who are champions go through this. Like this is a this is a good learning experience for him. And as you said, it wasn't as if he was completely dominated in the fight. He was he was winning up until he lost. Um, obviously he lost in the first round, but there wasn't too much of a sample size. But yeah, definitely things to go back and uh, work on. And I'm sure he'll be back better than ever early on in his career and you look at a guy like Will Fleury where he was at the same stage as John Mitchell is and he did an interview with Severe MMA before this fight saying that you know he looks back on his old fights and he's he's like oh cringing like what was I doing or, or sometimes he says oh I had a good idea there but I didn't really know what I was doing but now for Will in recent fights it seems to be all coming together his confidence is is there uh, the linking of his of his martial arts the flow of his game everything you know if you look at the Tarek Suleiman fight he had at what three or four years ago it was a much more impressive performance this time and to show he's on a different level and yeah i think you know it's going to be hard for for will to find uh uh you know that many suitable opponents uh, around the place so hopefully he can he can knock off a few more and get to the ufc as, as he plans to do and you know if, if 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 he wins his next two or three i wouldn't be surprised that all of the ufc were looking at him 100%. Like, the one, the, the biggest thing I took from that fight is that he's fighting out of the southpaw position now as well, and maybe the next time we talk to Will, we can ask him about that, but his striking just looks so clean. Like, uh, uh, we've talked about Will in the past, right, after his fights, and we've always said, oh, look, he's improving, his striking looks to be improving, he's getting better, but there wasn't... I, I, 
look, his striking, I think, was an area that wasn't the best part of his game. He was a very, very good wrestler and dominant top, as we saw last uh, last night. But his striking, to me, it is the, like, he looked, his striking game, to me, looked like it's a game that could, you know, go up against anyone in that middleweight division, apart from maybe the top couple in the division. It was good, like, he was, and it was it was a good fundamental game thrown straight right down the middle throwing a lovely jab and things like that that's what you want to see from a big heavy strong guy in that division who's well able to grapple as well there's some very very good signs uh, from Will Flory and it was it was a, a performance that was not only levels above his opponent it was levels above Will Flory from a couple of years ago as you said and that's what what more could you ask for out of a out of a prospect and out of a guy coming through? We talk about it all the time, you know, about guys improving, and it's very hard for us to know if they are improving, they're not improving. What's going on in the gym? What's not going on? You yeah, know, with, sometimes they are improving in the gym, but they can't translate it yeah. into the cage. Like we see that a lot as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and look, we don't know what's happened with it. Will said afterwards he broke his hand two weeks ago, and that he had an injured ankle a while back as well, which. Uh, is it must be really tough he's, he, uh, and you see his opponent actually he was elbowing Will's ankle, ankle when Will had the uh, body triangle and so I wonder did you hear about <laughs> I wanted to hear about the uh, the injury uh, that was that was, that was an interesting one because the commentators were even saying it they were like oh we've never seen that before in MMA so that's interesting I wonder uh, I wonder if he knew or if he had uh, heard a few whispers coming in from somewhere but anyway but uh, Greg Farman some Will Florian and John Mitch will, will bounce back Tell us about uh, tell us about Kenny Mokahan. I know he was uh, he was out. Uh, was it that UEA Warriors as well? I saw John Cavanaugh yeah, out there the, with him and the his day. brother friends. Yeah, the day before. Yeah, um, it was a uh, it was a really good performance from from him. There was a bit of uh, confusion in the the walkouts and the production and the common the commentators. Uh, they were calling out the wrong the wrong names for the wrong fighters on the the walkouts and the introductions and stuff. But uh, yeah, the fight itself, Kenny was was in control. He looked he looked smooth and sharp and uh, confident and in, in a scramble kind of ended up just thrown on a triangle and it looked it looked as if uh, he was he was going to finish and uh, then his opponent uh, Basala Basala just kind of try to hold on try to hold on and there was a bit of confusion whether he verbally tapped or tapped on the opposite side of the camera or he'd gone out and there was a little bit of a or what the fuck from his opponent initially, but it seemed uh, after the initial second, then he seemed to accept that whatever it was kind of unclear what what had happened if he if he'd verbally tapped or if he tapped on the opposite side of the the camera or if he'd gone asleep for a second. But uh, yeah, it was a tight triangle, and I think it was uh, a matter of uh, going out going out cold in a few seconds if uh, if he hadn't have if the fight hadn't have been stopped. Yeah, Kenny's. I think I watched Kenny as an amateur a good few years ago, and obviously he was over with uh, with Dino Wade's gym, I think, and then he moved to SBG Ireland. So, you know, uh, fighting, you know, and training with Alexander O'Sullivan for a long time. I'm sure that was a great way to come up as an amateur, and then kind of moving over with the pro team in SBG was, you know, probably a probably a great move. I remember uh, back in the day, wasn't it? Franz interviewed him for for Severe MMA back, back at one of those yeah, uh, one of those nightclub like yeah. so, uh, <laughs> People followed Severe MMA, have known Kenny for uh, for a good few years now, so it's great to see him, um, you know, ro- climbing those pro ranks and, and doing uh, doing very very good things. Um, We'll move on to UFC in a second, but later on we're going to talk a little bit about Cage Warriors and talk about uh, a couple of the Irish fighters that are on that, which is big as well. But also this week, uh, we broke the news over in Severe Med, Attack Amandu and Omar and Shaban have signed with Cage Warriors. So 
a great week for Irish pros. I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, both fighting two very, very, very good fighters. Taka won the, I think he won the Amateur of the Year with Severe May a couple of years ago. So very good. And Omran, obviously, we've seen him uh, on the scene as well. So great to see that and big things happening for uh, for Team KF as well. So, uh, you know, all around Irish MMA, obviously John Mitchell down in Cork and Will with SBG and Kenny with SBG as well. And the two lads with, with Team KF. I even saw Paul Redmond winning over in Polaris this weekend. It's great to see uh, all the different gyms and all the different uh, people representing Irish uh, MMA and beyond as well. And obviously, if you, if you like the Irish MMA talk, head on over to the old triangle as well. The lads will have way more every couple of weeks uh, talking about the, the local scene and talking about, uh, you know, the amateurs and uh, and all of that. So, uh, severe MMA, keep an Irish, keep an Irish MMA. Me alive. That needs to be our new ta- tagline, I think, for Severe Man. Anyway, um, right, let's talk a little bit about the UFC from uh, from Saturday Night Graham. On paper, it was a very, very good card. Um, I feel like in practice, maybe it wasn't as good as it was on paper. And you know, whenever you have four decisions in the middle of a card, even though they weren't all bad fights or anything like that, and in fact, three of them were actually pretty good fights, it, it just slows it down a little bit. And myself and um, Spencer and Harry actually have a speaker's corner coming out. I think this week or maybe next week, talking about card placement and stuff. After Spencer wrote a great article about it uh, last week, and I feel like this was a great example of how card placement just kind of ruined this card a little because you got to Kai Kara France and Askar Askarov, the big meaningful fight. Where afterwards you had Kai Kara France when he won calling for a title shot and then you see Davidson Figueredo saying alright I'm going to fight you because I'm not fighting Brandon Moreno and then you said Brandon Moreno uh, or saw Brandon Moreno saying oh Davidson Figueredo doesn't want to fight I want to fight Kai Cara France so we talked about it coming in about this being the big meaningful fight on the card we talked about it wanting another two rounds should have been the main event and should have been five rounds and then it turns out that you know it it needed another two rounds. It was the big meaningful fight. It had implications for the title, uh, for the title picture. Yet it was the fourth fight down on the card, and it felt, even though there were good fights after this, it did feel like, especially with the the Grasso Wood fight being kind of as predictable as it was, and in the main event kind of being like a nothing heavyweight fight where they were kind of lying to us about you know Curtis Blades being the next in line, and then he does the cringy interim title shot call out and then calls out Stipe after calling out Kenya and Stipe didn't even look at him it was I don't know it just felt like it was a weird no it wasn't bad I'm not saying it was bad or anything like that and I don't want to be that negative on it we will get to the very very good fights but it just feels like this is maybe a poster boy for ga- bad card placement um, and I know people were giving out about the Nicolau fight being uh, being early in the card as well and the Manofiro fight but uh, I didn't I wasn't the biggest fan of the card placement did, did, I know you watched it back this morning did you feel a similar thing or was it, were you just kind of watching and picking out the big fights and watching them yeah no I watched all of them so yeah I do think you know it was kind of predictable like a Sarah McMahon fight is going to be a decision and like a Neil Magny fight is probably going to be a decision so you kind of could have separated them I don't think there's too much thought goes into I think we talked about this before about the placement on cards some of it seems just completely random they'll, they'll take a couple of fights that, they, that they're kind of looking more closely at and uh, they'll put them where they want them and the rest of them just kind of they fall where they fall I don't I don't know if there's too much um, there's too much thinking going into that maybe they thought the, the Mark Jacquesi uh, Boreshkov Boreshkov fight would be more of a kind of stand up fight but uh, yeah I think um, uh, coming off UFC London I think it was going to be it was going to be hard to 
to live up to, but they didn't help themselves, as you said, with the with the the kind of end of the prelim, start of the main card. But all in all, like you know, the 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 card wasn't that bad. We've seen we've seen a lot a lot lot worse fight nights. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Let's uh, let's start with the Kai Kara France Askar Askarov fight because that was one of those fights that to me was just oh, it was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. Like the first round, Askar Askarov uh, got the got on his back and got um, a body triangle for the whole round. Uh, Kai Kara France stood up at one stage and Askar Askarov kept the body triangle and landed a good few shots. Now. Kai Kara France didn't get destroyed or anything, or he didn't get like overworked with shots. He looked there was a bit of, you know, obviously a, a threat of the submission and a threat of big shots, mm. and he landed a couple of big shots, but not not overwhelming. Yeah. Not in the panic of him, he stayed calm the whole time. Like yeah. I think his his grappling, obviously the striking side of his game is there, but he seems to have a lot more confidence and you know less panic in his in his grappling defense now, which is obviously a very good sign for for somebody with with as good uh, striking as him, you know. Obviously, that was always the kind of, you know, when you're so good at striking, people look at your look at your grappling as a as a, a weakness. But uh, if you can if you can kind of hold off Askarov on your on your back for pretty much the whole round, then with not much uh, trouble, then you know there's definitely uh, really good signs there of improvement. Yeah, we saw that in the Bantarin fight as well, where he was dominated for what four minutes, then got up and got the knockout. You know, he is well able to defend himself and survive on the ground you know when you're in that position when you can hit hard like him surviving maybe is all you need uh, when you're able to take the chances and that's exactly what he did in the second round he was very very smart i think at the start of the second round didn't do anything mad didn't do anything you know out of the way um and I think he used the kind of the, the old school chocolate L sprawl and brawl game very well. Askarov was shooting for takedowns from a long way out because of the game that Kai came with early in the second. And he was able to sprawl, stop the takedown and then land shots um, uh, on, on kind of on the break. And it was it was brilliant. It was the perfect, perfect game plan briefly in the third round Askarov got the back uh, again but Kai separated and look he just landed more shots I thought I thought it was very very good judging I know some people scored the third round for Askar Askarov but I think the judges got a right unanimous decision 29-28 and every decision to the last night the judges got right in my opinion it was a fantastic night for the judges but you won't hear that from people you'll hear people saying oh there's at least three shitty guards on every round and or on every event and all of this shit but uh yeah when you know i don't know are these people even watching these uh these events sometimes but anyway uh a beautiful performance from kai car france like well, this- maybe if people are talking about actual single judges uh scorecards on a fight maybe they have a case but i think yeah overall the the correct decision was come to and the the Magni and Barbarina fight, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, like for Kai Kara France, you uh, to me, he was a guy you looked at for years, and I, I always thought he was a good fighter. I, I liked him in tough when he got there, obviously, he fell out of the UFC and came back in. But when you know, when a guy is at a stage in his career where he's like eight and six, or <laughs> you know. <laughs> That start to level, it's always very tough. We've seen guys like here, and like you know Neil Siri and others as well. And I'm sure 
I'm sure uh, Kai Carafance is probably fighting up well. I'm actually looking at his record here. He had a few fights at 135 pounds. And different. I'm sure, I'm sure it was very tough for him to get fights at the right weight class. It takes back fighting, what was it, 2010 he made his debut. And for the smaller guys, it's very, very tough. So the fact that he came from that, had some very, very tough fights early in his career, and now is able to bounce back and be where he is at his career at the moment. Like, he's won so many fights in in a row he went from 12 and 7 all the way up to to 23 and 9 so what's that uh 11 and 2 in his last 13 that's really 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 good fighting the level he's fighting you know Askarov, Garbrandt, Bonterin, Tyson Nam, Brandon Moreno, Brandon Rival, Pai that there's some really really good names there and he's you know, he's a fantastic fighter. And Askarov as well, you know, don't write him off because he'll be back because I think he has it all as well to be, you know, if not a champion, then definitely a contender, definitely a fight for the title at some stage. But the quality in that 125-pound division is so good. People seem to ride it off an awful lot because it's kind of the normal thing to do ever since Demetrius Johnson was there. And, you know, the quality was good when he was there too. I think a lot of it, a lot of the quality is showed out with the likes of Haraguchi and Cejudo and others as well uh, down through the years. But, these fighters are, you know, they're. We always say it at lightweight. It's very hard to put like a really good run together at lightweight because there are so many killers in that division, and you're gonna catch a lot somewhere along the line. Flyweight is like that as well. If you look at like all the top guys, they've all caught losses along the way, um, and it makes for a fun division. It makes for an unpredictable division as well at times. But I think. Look, it's, I know both guys uh, in the, the upcoming possible title fight between Moreno and Figueiredo are kind of like playing it off as if they're not fighting. It looks like they are fighting. Kai Carfran said last night he wants the winner that night, I think. And, and he also said that he would be happy enough to play a kind of backup in that one. I think that's the right decision from him. I think he should wait out and fight the winner of that, even turn up, make weight that day. You know, I don't think he's the biggest in the world for that division, so it's not like some other guys when they come and they have to make weight and they have to kill themselves to get down there. I think he'll do it, do it safely. You know, get there to pay him a few quid for it and then be ready in a few months after that as well to, to fight for the title. And you know what? I think he's a chance against both of them. I, I, you know, Moreno, okay, he fought Moreno a while back and went to a unanimous decision and everything like that. Moreno won, but that is, what, three years ago now at this stage? I think Kai Carafrance has gone to another level since that. And the way he hits and how open Figueredo is at times, I think he's a great chance of that. What, what do you think? Do you think he's a chance to beat neither of the, the two guys fighting for the title? Yeah, I think he definitely has a chance. You know, these guys at uh, 125, they're so technical in, in all areas. Uh, they're very dangerous everywhere. They're so fast. They're so, they're so hard to hold down. Uh, you know, like if you look at uh, Bontorin, Garbrandt and Askarov, that's a serious streak he has there over the last uh, year. He's, he's really on a moment. He really has the momentum going. And the, the other lads are having some kind of back and forth about whether they're, they're pretending they're not fighting or there's some kind of hold up. If that can get sorted quickly, I'd hold on. But if that's going to drag on and drag on, maybe maybe Carfrance take another one. But you know, if he goes in there against Figueroa or Moreno, I probably wouldn't be have him as the favorite. But would I be surprised if he if he got the job done with his hands or over decision? I don't think I don't think I would be. Like you know, he'd be probably an underdog, but not a big underdog in, in my mind. Yeah, I w- I would tend to agree. But you know, it's those are two fights that I'm really really looking forward to. So I'm. Uh... 
excited about the, the 125 pound division to think they were going to close down this division not too long ago it's, it's crazy the fights recently in this division have just been fantastic and if you're a fan of MMA and you don't like the 125 pound division I would question if you are a, a fan of MMA because it's so great and it's uh, you know it's lads as well you know, sometimes when lads backs are put against the wall you know, and they're like, right, you're not going to be in the UFC anymore. You don't have a future in this sport almost anymore. Uh, it's it's a tough thing because Bellator don't have the 125 on division either. Now, maybe they would have started one if the UFC's one went away, but it's tough. It's very, very tough. And these lads are have a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a dirt in their shoulder, however you want to put it, a bit of a chip in their shoulder. And uh, not they're not Jay-Z, so yeah, <laughs> they have a bit of a chip in their shoulder. And it's shown, and the performances are shown as well. So great division. Looking forward to, to seeing what's next. In that division as well, we might as well mention, while we mention this, uh, Mateus Nicolau beat David uh, Dvorak in the Anna's position in a pretty good fight as well. He's won his last, what, five in a row now. He beat Manel Cape and Tim Elliott before this so he's on a very very good run as well and he's ranked in that division so definitely another guy to keep your eyes on there maybe maybe a couple of you know maybe a couple of fights off uh, where uh, I cry Cara Francis but definitely want to to keep uh, an eye on uh, before that uh, Luis Saldana beat uh, Bruno Silva very uh, unanimous decision in the 145 pound division um, and there was some very good stuff on that prelim is Manofiro, who could be very well next in line after Talia Santos for Valentina Shishinko, even though uh, she is nine and one. Uh, she beat uh, she beat Jennifer Maya by unanimous decision. Some very good striking on show there. She, um, you know, it was a very very good performance by her. Fantastic stuff altogether. And do you know what? Do you know what really stands out to me with Manofiro, right? Uh, her very first fight in her career was against Liam McCourt, right? And Liam McCourt's second fight in her career was against Manofiro. How fucking good is Ian Dean? The fact that he can rank probably the number one contender now in, in one division in the UFC against, you know, the, the number of, what, five uh, ranked fighter in the in the Bellator 145-pound division with only one fight between them. That takes some fucking skill to be able to... Uh, ah, he's a, he's a fluky that. cunt, that Ian Dean. He's, just, he's <laughs> just the luckiest man alive. He just picks names out of a hat and sticks <laughs> them ra- randomly on a card in random placements and things exactly, all that work out. Exactly. I'm telling you, if Ian Dean was fucking managing that card last night, we, uh, we wouldn't have had the fucking mistakes we had. But anyway... But, um, yeah, very good performance from Man of Hero. And it feels like, look, it feels like it wasn't a standout performance, maybe. But to some, to people who are in the know, I think that line was mad. Like, Jennifer Maya was like a three and a half to one underdog or something like that. And the fight turned out to be closer than that line. Although, you know, uh, Firo did win every round. But Maya came out fast and hard and she, she fought well. And it was a very, very good win over a very, very good opponent. You know, Firo, yeah. it was... I think, it, yeah. I think the bookies kind of thought what the commentators thought, that if there's any kind of grappling, it's all over here. But that just isn't that just isn't the case. Uh, she's much more well-rounded than she was given credit for by the commentators and probably what the bookies were thinking as well with the with the line. It's a while since I've had a bit of a rant about the commentators, but I feel like today is a good time. They were so bad last night. It was absolutely crazy. I like. I think it might have been the worst UFC commentary performance ever in the history of the organization. Like, I'm talking fucking Jim Brown and all this. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. Like Bisping and Carmi, I can't be put together anymore because like. 
Cormier just drags Bisping down to his level and almost makes him worse. Like, it was... I know Bisping has been away for, like, the last couple of weeks and he's been over in the UK and he's been doing different things. Like, maybe he didn't have time to research this card or something like that, but... And I know DC never well, researched like, you know, card, researching but. the cards is, is one thing, but, like, you know, these guys have been doing it for a long time and they've seen, you know, how many times has Mark Jacquesi fought in the UFC, for example, and... He goes for one takedown at the start of the round, and they're like, "Oh, this is not what he does. He's gonna gas himself out That's if he tries to wrestle. He doesn't know what he's doing wrestling wise. It's a terrible idea." It's like, "Oh my god, come on!" He said, "Do you know how many takedowns he's had in his UFC career?" No, twenty-seven. <laughs> but like he on his way up to the UFC, right before, yeah. like up until right before he signed, he was basically wrestling the shit out of people. So I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. And it's not like something we're just bringing this up. I, I said it on the, the betting show over in Sherlock this week. I was like, Mark Jacquesi is known for his wrestling. And they literally yeah. said, literally yeah. said on the commentary, he's not known for his wrestling. What are you talking about? Like, fair enough. Basically, like he was blowing the fight by going for a, yeah. a takedown at the start of the fight because yeah. he, he was going to gas himself out because his body doesn't know how to deal with going yeah. for a takedown. <laughs> it was honestly the mo- one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. They, they must never have watched a Mark Casey fight, like genuinely. Like genuinely. Do you, do you think must though, never like, you know, him? if Cormier is saying that or something like that, is Bisping sitting beside him going, Oh, you, that makes no sense? Or is he just, saying the same thing? Yeah, or is he just going he doesn't want to correct him, or is it you know, is he going along with it just to not embarrass Cormier or something weird like this, or are they both just completely clueless? Maybe. Like, if you look at Cormier, Cormier's attitude, remember when Dominic Cruz called him out? He's like, Oh, you can't say that we're friends and we're colleagues and all. So like he doesn't have the attitude which you should have in that game, like if you make a mistake for someone to come on and correct you or someone to give you a bit of constructive criticism or whatever. So like he has said, he's stall out now. If you come out and correct me, I'm going to come out and slate you and I'm going to, you know, he, he, he can't take it. And it, everyone should be slating him every week because he is the worst commentator in UFC history by a mile. It, it's actually embarrassing. The start of the Firo, uh, Jennifer Maya fight, they spend like the first minute of the fight talking about how you pronounce her name. It's like, this is a, a number one contender fight. Like, literally, a number one contender fight to, you could say now, Valentina Shashinko, the greatest female fighter of all time. The fact that, uh, that Pena is last, if not the second or third, you know, right up there. This is a number one contender fight for her, and you're fucking joking about how Daniel Carmier, the biggest fucking idiot in America, can pronounce a name. Like, come on, have some respect for the fighters, at least. Like, it's, it's actually... I I I just can't see an escape from him. It's it's really tough because I don't want to mute the t- TV because I want to hear the shots and I want to hear what's going on and things. And I just I just feel like I I just need an escape from him. Like he was gone for a few weeks there, um, and it was so great. It, like it was so great not having to listen to his shit. But now he's back, and honestly, I just need. I just need to get rid of him. And do you know what we, what's weird is that when he gets that telestrator out and he shows like the takedowns, like in the the Kyria fight, which we get the, he's fantastic. He's re- like he's really good at that. The wrestling ones, everywhere else you talk about strike or anything else, he's absolutely horrendous. He hasn't a clue. But the wrestling, so like he just yeah. Needs- if you could use him like D- yeah. Dean Thomas is used, bring him in uh, when certain like <laughs> a realm that he's familiar with like wrestling or that he's well accomplished on uh, in and can commentate on like sometimes you can be well accomplished on something and not be able to explain it to the audience but as you said he can explain wrestling sequences and things like that entry stuff like that what the guys should do you, like you could use it 
as a kind of guest analyst where you bring him in or on the like desk Dean, afterwards like, like Dean impressive. Thomas yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what's going on I, they seem to love him giving him big bonuses and stuff I don't think he's going anywhere to be honest but uh, yeah the biggest idiot in America I think is what you said so uh, that's pretty that's pretty strong you, you can use that as the fucking headline <laughs> lads there you go for the sun or the star whatever you want Daniel Cormier labelled the biggest idiot in America. I'll stand by it. I, I, he's probably not. I'm sure he's a lovely lad and all. And, you know, I, I like him in some things. He's very good on the uh, the, the uh, weigh-in show and things like that. He's very funny. And I'm sure he's, you know, if I met him for a pint, he'd be a lovely lad. But, and for, like, I'd be shit at commentary too, or you'd be shit at commentary, I bet. But, like... It'll all be terrible, yeah. You know. Anyway, although I'd be great at it, I think, to be fair. I'd, I'd be fantastic. Like, let's let's be honest. Anyway, um... That Kiriev guy who we mentioned there, God, he looks he looks a serious prospect, and he's gone down now to one seventy as well. He said, uh, going in at uh, fourteen and all, his takedowns look very good. His Cormier detailed very well at one stage, um, and all around he looks like a very good fighter. Don't so. be don't be giving him compliments now after calling him the stupid <laughs> the biggest idiot in America. Come on. <laughs> sorry, Daniel. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, uh, beautiful. Uh, do you know what I fucking hate as well? And I know you'll agree with me. People calling spinning uh, forearms spinning back fists. Like this Chris Gutierrez knockout. He clearly hit him with the forearm. This was not a spinning back fist in any way, shape, or form. This was a fucking spinning forearm KO. And I'll go to the fucking grave saying that. A hundred percent. Anyway, great spinning yeah, forearm KO. I always, I always say that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he threw the spinning back fist. Maybe. But, but he landed the, the spinning forearm. Yeah, like that time Aljamain Sterling threw the... Or was it uh, Marais threw the knee? Or threw the, a kick at Aljamain Sterling and caught him with the knee. Like, that's not a kick knockout, is it? That's a knee knockout. Because he caught him with... Yeah. The knee and knocked him out. It's the same thing, but anyway. Uh, Sarah McMandin, as you said, I actually thought she was good. She put on a good performance. I believe she was the underdog coming into this against Carol Rosa. And probably, you know, it's been a tough time for Sarah McMahon. I team she in, you know, she lost to Juliana Pena last time out. Um, but back to winning how ways is, here. How is she on team she in? I don't know. I just, I just always liked her. I, I don't know why. I just I like Sarah McMahon. I because think she people, might have been after people that, complain about her being boring. You just do it to spite people, no. probably. No, it was early in her career. I, I had her on Team Sheen. Maybe actually she went off Team Sheen the last time. I don't know. We'd have to look up our, uh, <laughs> our numbers again. But anyway, right. Did you Casey Bar- Barashoff fight? Also, John Anik. John Anik on his show this week, he played how Vyacheslav Barashoff says his name. And he there's a clip up I tweeted out last night. It feels like John Anik and me are hearing that in a completely different way. Because he was calling him Barashov. I was like, I was hearing Barashov. Like... I, I don't know anyway doesn't matter uh, yeah I, I, I'm not one to speak I butcher pretty much everybody's name <laughs> <laughs> I, I butcher lots of names too I probably have here as well look I gave him the big build up coming into this I, I saw him fighting Chris Duncan and he beat him pretty easily uh, but god almighty Mark Casey exposed him here he really really did he exposed his wrestling game and maybe maybe it's wrong but we see the Russian flag flag alongside someone's name and you think god this guy's going to be a good wrestler but it's not always the case you know it's not a, and you know maybe you see the English flag alongside someone's name as Carmi and Bisping did last night and Bisping probably shouldn't be doing that and you think maybe they won't be a good wrestler but that's the opposite here as well but a wonderful 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 performance from Mark Casey. Uh, you've known him for a long time Graham I remember you flew over to, to do a little documentary on one time didn't you as well great to see him winning here and, and kind of saving his job maybe because he has it all like it feels like Jacasey 
just needs something to click for him and he'll be a great, great fighter. He said he still sees himself as a prospect. And, you know, I, I almost do too, honestly. And if he can kick on and get another couple of big wins, I think, honestly, I think the sky's the limit for Marcia Casey. I'm a, I'm a massive fan, but he can't take a backward step now. He can't, you know, he can't have another bad performance. He can't have another loss over the next while. He needs to kick on, I think. What, what do you think of last night and Andrew Casey overall? Yeah, I think last night it was definitely a really good game plan to come in there uh, and at least make uh, make his opponent worry about the takedowns, even if he wasn't going to get them early. And, you know, he didn't get it all his own way early. He had to work hard for the takedowns. But once he once he got it, you know, he seemed pretty, pretty comfortable there. And he didn't really posture up and land any big shots, but he did just enough to, you know, win the round and, and after that it, it seemed to come a lot easier and he stuck to the he stuck to the the wrestling because it just it just became easy for him to take him down in the middle of the cage and uh, dominate from there and just just take an easy victory but you know if if Mark Jacasey can mix in some wrestling um, attempts and the threat uh, against future opponents and and set up a striking that way and it just as you said it just all has to click together he definitely has like you know he has he has the wrestling, he has the grappling, he has he has really good, dangerous striking, really quick strikes. Uh, he's he has he has it all. Like we've seen him put in some really good performances, you know, beating Joe Duffy, uh, Lando Venata, even even the loss against Fizayev, like that's a tough fight. But he, he's he's inconsistent. But if he can just put everything together, I'm I'm sure you know um, the right matchups three fights time he could be brimming with confidence momentum everything can be clicking and he could be a real problem for anybody in this division but he, he just got to go out there and prove it you know one goal performance we've seen this before a couple of really good performances in the row in a row here he goes and then he comes up against a slightly higher um upper or upper echelon uh, slightly higher ranked opponents and he he's, doesn't do quite enough but if he can, if he can mix in his wrestling with his striking um, and make it all flow together, then you know he he can go very, he can, he can definitely cause a lot of problems for people in the upper, upper echelon and could potentially go all the way. But it's just about him getting in there and proving it consistently. Um, in this division, you can't have an off night. You have to be in there one hundred percent focused and one hundred percent on it. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree, and uh, hopefully he can do that because, like, I think a good match at Casey. Uh, fighting well is good for everyone. You know, whether it's the UK, whether it's UK MMA. Uh, and everyone covering the sport as well. I honestly, I think, I re, I, I hope it. Like he's one of those guys. I hope, I hope he reaches his potential. Because if he doesn't, it'll it'll be a bit. Oh, it'll be a bit sad. You know. I hope he does. I really hope he does. So looking forward to his next yeah. few and seeing. Of course, I, I, I thought the move over to you know to the states would have would have kind of yielded quicker results, but. It has it has just been up and down, and maybe maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe it's a I I don't know what it is. I, like I I haven't as you said we were, went over to to film him a few years ago, but I haven't haven't been speaking to Mark much recently. But like you know when he's on it when he's on it he's really on it. He has he has finishing power. He can put guys away with one punch with one strike, and he can obviously wrestle as he, as he, as he proved. It's it's just about putting it all together consistently. And you know we've seen guys in the past that that can't. They just they just come in and they they win a couple, they lose a couple, or they look like they're getting towards the top, and, and all of a sudden they lose unexpectedly. But we've also seen guys who it clicks for you know, and all of a sudden everything looks looks like uh, it's flowing, and they just look like a completely different animal. So hopefully it goes that way for Mark. 100%. Neil Magny and Max Griffin. This was one of those fights where Max Griffin came in, knocked Neil Magny down hard. And when he stood back, let him back up and spin the next minute, 
circling around him, not bunching him, trying to pick the shot. I just knew that that is something that, honestly, that's something you'll be talking to your grandkids about in, in 40 years uh, and saying, I had this chance, I had this chance to get to the top and I didn't take it. It was a grave error. And I know they were calling it, oh no, you're, you're good tactics and it was the right thing to do. And, all. and you know, for the vast majority of fights and for the vast majority of people, I would agree when you're fighting Neil Magny, who is a guy known for taking shots like that, coming back, never giving in, and finding ways to win, you cannot give up that opportunity. You just cannot. Like, MMA is a game, and we talk about it all the time, right? And, and this is a great example in this fight. It's a game to do the right things, basics, fundamentals correct, fight the right way all of the time, be calm, be cool, be collected. But it, and then seize the moment. Seize the moment. <laughs> you have to seize the moment. You have to. You have to get like extremely violent at the right moment as well. You have to do it if you want to be that top top fighter. You know, you see it all the time. Like who, whoever it might be, McGregor versus Cerrone is the first example that came to my head there. Or like you know, um, JDS when he knocked out Ken Velasquez when he hit him with that big shot and then j- jumps down on top of him or there's loads of examples like there's loads of examples throughout the years you have to do that and max griffin did not do it he didn't do it and he will live to regret that long into his days because you win this fight and you suddenly you are a ranked top 10 guy suddenly you're fighting the likes of maybe a sean brady or someone like that and then you have an opportunity to become a top five ranked guy and move on and on. And for a guy who's like now 18 and 9 in his career, he could have been 19 and 8. That's you know, it might not seem like a big difference, but it's just, it was one of those moments that stuck out to me. It's like, wow, you, you fucked up badly there. And you probably will go back and watch that fight and know it. And it'll probably eat away at you for the rest of your life. But look, Neil Magny, we have to say it again. What a, what a comeback from Neil Magny. He was badly hurt. Like, Neil Magny for the rest of that round was in bits. Like, he was there to be taken for the rest of that round. And Griffin wasn't able to do it. But Magny survived very, very well. Came out close second round then. I thought he won it. And I gave him a 10-8 in the third round. I thought he destroyed Griffin. Griffin in that third round. Griffin was very tired and everything, but um, a good fight, a very good fight overall. But that was the one part that really stuck out to me. What, what did you think of it overall? Did you did, did it stick out to you like that as well, or was it just me being a weirdo? Yeah, no, like as you said, when you have Magni on the ropes, you, you can't give him the time because he's one of those guys, like he's like a call pounder. If you give him that them few moments to to get himself back in um back in the fight, he'll take it. And we've seen it time and time again with Neil Magni. And like there's been a couple of performances over the years where he hasn't really turned up, but besides that, you, you pretty much know exactly what you're getting with Neil Magni. And he's he's gonna he, he's gonna do he's gonna put his game on you and you've got to be able to deal with that. And when you get the as you as you said, when you get the opportunity, you you rock him, and he's there for the taking, and you don't seize the moment. Then, yeah, you don't really deserve to win the fight. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, you could have come out and won another round and, and won the fight, but you know, Neil Magny just just took over as he as he probably. I I expect him to kind of fight the the second or to fight the whole to win the whole fight the way he he won the second and third round. Maybe not as dominant as as the third round, but yeah, Max Griffin let let it slip through his fingers, but. Yeah, Neil Magny, you got to give a lot of credit to him. Like a lot of other guys would have been, would have been there for the taking for longer and would have put themselves in in bad spots. It would have made it easier for Max Griffin. So, you know, credit to, to Neil Magny. But as you said, Max Griffin would be kicking himself for for not uh, unleashing in that in the in seizing that moment.
hundred percent. Brian Barberina, Matt Brown, then um, really, really fun fight. Although both of them got so tired <laughs> at uh, at a stage in this fight, it kind of turned into madness, which yeah. was still. At one fun. stage, I wasn't sure if Matt Brown was was badly hurt or if he was just exhausted yeah. or both. I, I think both, <laughs> both maybe in a couple of stages. But Brown did very well early in the first round. I thought he won the first round, but it was very close. Barberina landed that big elbow late and cut Matt Brown, but I think Brown probably just did enough. Uh, before that, uh, Barbarina hurt him badly then in the in the second round a couple of times. Although it wasn't too far off either, uh, but I thought Barbarina won that. And in the third round was just insanity. You know, anyone could have won that round. I gave it to Barbarina. You know, because it's it is hard sometimes to see if a guy is hurt or if a guy is tired and when they're falling around and you know you have to give the, the benefit of the doubt it does have like fighting spirit as a part of the judging criteria as well so you you know Barbarina strikes definitely did take away a bit of the fighting spirit of Matt Brown for par- for portions anyway he did bounce back almost every time and threw his big shots but a crazy mad fight altogether you you'd you had a problem with the split decision, did you? What, did you think uh, you thought Barbarina won? I thought Barbarina won as well, but I, yeah. I don't think... I thought, I, the, first, I thought Brown, the first and second rounds were pretty clear. Uh, first Brown, second Barbarina. And the third, I thought, was pretty clear for Barbarina. Maybe there, maybe there, I thought maybe I thought the, that Matt Brown was more hurt than he was, or and uh, the judge thought that he was more tired than he was hurt. But even still, I thought Barbarina did enough. But... Yeah, I think maybe, you know, if people are nitpicking the judges and looking at scorecards, then maybe they look at that one and think that it should have been unanimous. But as long as the right decision and the right winner gets his hand raised, then I'm, I'm not really too worried. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that card, honestly. I think uh, I think this is a good one. But look, Barbarina goes on. Uh, Matt Brown, it'll be interesting. Although Barbarina did say this is the last fight in his UFC career and he said if they don't re-sign him, uh, or his UFC contracts are if they don't uh, re-sign him he's not going to fight on he's just going to retire so you know I think they will re-sign him he's the type of guy they like and a good yardstick for that division and Matt Brown you know I w- look the problem with Matt Brown at this stage of his career is he still like has the toughness he still has this, his skills early but when the fight gets past like 7-8 minutes he gets so tired like I'm sure at 41 years of age or whatever he is now that cardio is very, very difficult to keep, and uh, that's what's—that's the only thing that's really failing him uh, these days. But I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Brown fight again. I don't think he's one of these guys that's—you know—he got to an age and he shot or anything like that. So, yeah, uh, Barbarena was a tough match. As long as you, as long as you match him up kind of correctly, then yeah. yeah. He, but I mean, they're a cowboy him. again or someone like that, yeah. or you know, yeah. Let's let's do that. Um, the top two fights then uh, were over pretty quickly. Alexa Grasso just. You know, jo- Joanna Wood, the fight went to the ground. She rear naked choked her, and that was about it. Like, we spoke about Joanne Wood after her last fight, and, um, you know, thought that might be the end of her UFC career. And, you know, I, th- I think it might be a good thing if she went to Bellator or went to somewhere else where she could get wins, get easier matchups, build her confidence back up. And I think, I think in Bellator, she'd have a great career. You know, there aren't that many very good 125 pounders around, as we, you know, as we see. Uh, in the in the UFC, um, and in Bellator, even less. There are some good uh, one twenty five pounders there. I don't think she'd win against the champion, but I think she'd win most of the fights going up to that. Uh, unlike in the UFC, you now she's lost to the last three contenders in a row. If you're adding Grasso to that, which she probably will be, uh, well, maybe. You know, obviously we talked about Firo earlier on, and about uh, Tyler Santos is coming up as well. But she's, you know, 
Okay, that's nitpicking. Uh, but yeah, it's just join what she's never reached her potential and she never will. I, I said it in the pre-show as well, and it's it's sad to see in a way, but I feel like look her athleticism just isn't up to scratch her game hasn't progressed over the years in any significant way look i'm sure she's a better striker i'm sure she's a better wrestler i'm sure she's better at jiu-jitsu but everyone else has become a better striker better jiu-jitsu and better wrestling probably at a faster rate including alexa grasso and that's the problem when you get into fights like this and that that's a very tough thing to say especially about uh, someone who's such seems like that's such a lovely person and a very good fighter and tough as hell as well but Look, she's just not at that level. She just really isn't at that level. And to me, I think Alexa Grasso is. I think she's a very good fighter. And I think she will be fighting for the title probably in the next, if not the next year, maybe not too much longer uh, if, she, if she keeps going the way she is. What, what did you think of it overall, Graham? Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think the game is developing so quickly all uh, all around and especially in these women's divisions. And Yuan Calderwood or Yuan would... Um, yeah, she hasn't really Yo- developed. Yoan, is she? Yo, Yoanna, Yoanna Calderwood, what? <laughs> uh, Jojo. Um, she hasn't, she hasn't developed in any significant way, as you said. Maybe she has, but she hasn't been able to put it together. She hasn't been able to kind of blend the styles. She hasn't been able to improve her her deficiencies in the in the grappling. Uh, uh, when it, maybe in the gym she has, but in 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 the cage she doesn't seem to be able to. And I think, yeah, I think. In the early days of the division, maybe the other girls were less well-rounded and she was able to use her strengths to, to win fights. But now, uh, uh, you know, in the top 15 and the top 20, even and everybody in the in the sign to the UFC is pretty well-rounded. There might be a few that aren't, but it, uh, she's a quite a big name. Everybody knows JoJo, so she's not really going to be fighting these, these, these type of... Um, these types of fights, she's going to be fighting tough girls and she just, she just doesn't seem to have it in her. I don't know if it's a mental thing or maybe it's a mental thing mixed with a skills thing, but yeah, unfortunately for her, I, I, I just, you know, there was a lot of kind of hype behind her at the start and I don't think she's lived up to any of it. And I, as, as the years go on, I, she's not really shown any signs of, of improvement uh, at the same rate as the other girls around her anyway. So yeah, it, it looks like the writing's on the wall. She's, she's never going to, She's never going to make it to, to the to the very top uh, the way she's going. Yeah, 100%. But as we mentioned again, Alexa Grasso, a very, very good performance. You know, not much to take out of it considering it was so quick and, and maybe so easy, but that's a testament to what she has done in her career recently and the improvements she's made. So, um, Great, uh, great win for Alexa Grasso. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what's next for me. You know, maybe maybe we see Grasso versus Fiero. Maybe that's the fight to make to to, to get the number one contender. But in that division, you're probably better off lining them up. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and the main event then: uh, Curtis Blades knocked out Chris Dawkins 17 seconds into the second round. Um, he didn't go for any takedowns. It was the first time I think in his UFC career. S- someone said last night. I think Aaron Brand said or said it on Twitter. Um, and I feel like he had a bit of a, a point to prove. Yeah. He wanted to strike with Dawkins. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, you know, going into the fight, I thought he just gets, he might strike a little bit if he doesn't knock him out early, take him down and kind of ground him, pound him out. But he definitely seemed to be wanting to make a statement. He he seemed to be under the impression that he's being overlooked and that he's he's one of the top contenders and he wanted to kind of put a stamp on and go out there and knock out Dawkins. And, you know, if, if you're going to pick an opponent to do it against, it's probably a... It was probably a good decision, you know. If it had got a bit hairy, I suppose he could have fallen back on the takedowns. But uh, yeah, Dawkins compared to Blades on the feet is just sloppy. Doesn't seem to have the same power, and 
yeah, Curtis Blades should be knocking Dawkins out, and he did. So, yeah, good performance. But is he making the big statement that he thinks he's making? Uh, I don't think so. But, you know, it's a knockout. It looks good on the record. Uh, there isn't that much depth at the top of the division. So a couple of injuries here or there, you never know where he could slot in. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just one of those ones, like, I felt like he thought, uh, and look, every fight is important to the, the individual, but I felt like he thought it was a more important fight than it actually was. You well, know, it like, is a main event, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, you have in front of him, right, he's Seattle Gagne, he has uh, Francis Ngannou, who obviously is injured, he has Stipe Miocic, and he, John Jones, maybe. We'll see what happens with John Jones, but it looks like John Jones... Is talking about fighting anyway. Like, Stipe, I feel like the one fight he would take would be probably John Jones for an interim title. And they can do that. I think they'll probably do it. And then you still, Gagne, you just walk around there. Okay, he might get a fight against Gagne, maybe. Maybe that one makes sense. And, you know, maybe it will be for an interim title. You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Because if you know what Jones, you know what Stipe, they're both notoriously hard to, to deal with and get deals done in, in a good way for them, which is, uh, and I credit them for that. Um, and the UFC, as we've known, as we've seen the heavyweight division, they will create it. But, I feel like if they didn't make that for an interim title, everyone would be giving out and complaining about it, you know? So, uh, I I don't know. It, 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 I think, you know, he should have called it Taito Avasa, and if yeah. he can go out and be Taito Avasa, then he's making a real statement. But you know what's funny? He called out Ganya, and the way he said it, you couldn't really hear him, and you couldn't, you, you know? <laughs> and then he called out Stipe, and Stipe, Stipe just completely blanked him. I was taking fucking selfies with people and trying to get the OHIO fucking chant going. Just completely blanked him. And um, I saw a few people say, no, he took his opportunity on the mic. Honestly, I thought it was so cringe and so embarrassing. And no, it actually wasn't his fault. It was, he, he tried his best, but the way Stipe... The way Stipe just completely no assault him. Unimpressed, oh, yeah. Job. <laughs> he just, you know, he felt so sorry for Blaze. Like, he's doing his best. He just won a big fight. And then there's a lad out here just like, <laughs> anyway, you know, <laughs> just, oh, my God. Poor lad, the poor lad. But, uh, yeah, good performance for him. He's a very good fighter. The perennial number four, I suppose, in that division. And to be honest, I think that's where he'll... He'll probably be for another another few years, but you never know in that division. Look, if Francis goes away and he's gone, if Steve, you know, I could say I could honestly see see Steve retiring pretty soon. You never know what's going to happen with John Jones, and suddenly he's number two in the division. And at that at that stage, in what's going to happen? Well, we will we will see. Like, like it's happened. Look what happened in the light heavyweight division. You know, the likes of Carmier, uh, the likes of Teixeira, the likes of Jan Blachowicz won titles who never ever would have won them uh, before if if uh, if John Jones was still there. So it uh, it can happen, and um, you know maybe it'll happen for Blade. So just stick around. Play the long game. He's only thirty one as well. He's only an old spring chicken. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, so that was the card. I feel like it was a it was a better card with us breaking it down out, and I thought about it coming in. So good stuff. Yeah, I didn't think it was as bad. That bad. <laughs> I thought the placement was just a bit weird. If Carafans versus Askrov was the main event, we'd a big knockout in the co-main event, and we'd five rounds of that flyaway title fight. It would have been so much better. But anyway, 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 anyway. Right, uh, Mighty Mouse. Uh, 
and this whole card in general I, I, I tuned in for the Edward Falang against uh, John Wayne Parr and Mai Tai bout which is, and I only saw the third round which I think was lucky because that was a fantastic round apparently the, the first two were, weren't great but um, great stuff in that one it was very very fun then we had uh, Sexy Yama so, just so 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 sexy uh, going in there against Shinya Aoki and Shinya you know, had the better of him in the first round, but Sexy Yama came out, and the commentator said, uh, like, very early, after uh, Sexy Yama had landed a few shots, that Shinya Aoki gives up, like, suspiciously, too too early. Um, and when when I say suspiciously, now I mean, like, how how easy does Shinya Aoki give up, like, if there's a lad immediately saying it? And he, he didn't necessarily give up. Yeah, he took a few he big a few shots, shots on the ground. To <laughs> be fair. But he wasn't defending or he wasn't moving or anything. Yashihiro Akiyama just destroyed him. And uh, There was a big man hitting him with big shots, though. Was, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I've seen Aoki kind of give up more easily than that in the past, in fairness to him. Yeah. <laughs> you might have heard the commentators calling them out, and he's like, hey, fuck yeah. you. So. Hi. <laughs> I'll be doing that. But uh, great to see Sexy Yama back. Look, he's been a fan favorite for a long time, and I, you know, I love Sexy Yama, and he's just... It's just he's brilliant. I love him. I love Sexyama. But um, uh, Marais didn't defend his title that he won against Demetrius Johnson a couple of years ago. Uh, he beat uh, Yuya Wakam- Waku- Wakamatsu, who um, I watched a few of his fights last week preparing for the preview. Uh, he's a very good fighter, and um, I was wondering why he didn't go for more wrestling in the first round uh, or in the second round even as well. And uh, I got my answer in the third round <laughs> because Adriano Marais submitted him uh, pretty quickly once he he did go for a takedown. Uh, was wasn't a classic fight up until that, but a uh, good stuff from uh, from Marais. He was dangerous and a finisher and a very very good fighter. So that was uh, that was fantastic. Uh, and in the main event, then uh, we had uh, Angela Lee uh, beating Stamp uh, Fairtex. Who you know? I think she'd be better. I like Stamp. I think she's very good watching a few of her fights. Uh, but Angela Lee, Angela Lee looked much improved. I know she had a, a baby over the last couple of years and was out and stuff. But I think her striking looked a lot better here. And on the ground, she's absolutely fantastic. Got the rear naked choke with only a couple of seconds left uh, in the in the second of five rounds. So a very good performance from Angela Lee. And she brought her baby into the um, into the cage afterwards. And the baby was the old star of the performance, catching the confetti and giving it to the the commentator, the dragon. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. So it was lovely to see. Um, and you could catch all the rest of the the, the results uh, so uh, so he ham won there was grappling matches there was ah there was a lot of stuff in this card but anyway Demetrius Johnson uh, against Rotang in a mixed rules fight so I, I thought it was actually yeah. going to be five minutes of MMA but it was only three minutes three. of MMA yeah. uh, so it started off three minutes of Muay Thai three minutes of MMA then three minutes of Muay Thai three minutes of MMA in the first round Demetrius Johnson came out and he struck at Rotang you know he said it afterwards I didn't want to you know uh, stand back and not have a fight and, and to be fair he did he, look he wasn't going out and he wasn't just throwing hands nonchalantly or easily he was defending himself and he was doing the right things but he did strike with him and he hit him a couple of times as well now Rotang looked strong and he looked like he was hitting Demetrius very very hard but Demetrius survived and he got through it and he held his own and in the second round he took his time took his time took his time took the fight to the ground Rotang actually defended pretty well for a while but uh, Demetrius ended up getting the rear naked choke in the second I really enjoyed it I thought it was very fun I liked the special rules thing we were waiting for it for a long time and honestly I I thought it delivered I thought it was very good What, what did you think of it? 
Yeah, well, Rotang, as you said, he, he didn't look like a, you know, <laughs> he didn't look like James Tony out there on the ground. Uh, he defended a little bit, but yeah, once once Demetrius Johnson had the back, it did seem like a matter of time, even though Rotang was kind of pulling at the arms and the hands. He was doing the right things. Obviously, he put a bit of a good bit of effort into into this fight, but uh, yeah, I, you know, well done Demetrius Johnson and all that, but I prefer Demetrius Johnson fighting actual MMA fights. Uh, yeah, I know there's one uh, FC is is kind of you know it's flying under the radar to, to most fans, but if he's going to be out there, at least can he can he can he please fight in MMA proper MMA rules? And, I don't know. We've seen yeah. enough of him fighting in MMA. You know, he lost the title ah. and. He, I have no problem with this. Honestly, I have no problem with this. It was fun. He's at that stage of his career now. You know, it, it, to me, it's like if some soccer player decided to come back and play in the League of Ireland for a year or go to America and play there, there for a year or something like that, you know, because they wanted to experience it. Or yeah, but some... he's doing like uh, 30 minutes of American football, 30 minutes of hurling, 30 minutes of... I love it. Oh, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that. I, know, I, thought it was, I thought it was fun, honestly. I thought it was good. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe... But, like, if this was Demetrius Johnson at 28 or 29, I would agree with you, but he's 35 now and a smaller guy, and, yeah, I think it was fun. I think it was fun, so. Anyway, next one we need w- one round of grappling, one round of Muay Thai, one round of MMA. That's what we need to do next. Who, who could we get him to, to do it now? You know, sign up Haraguchi or someone like that, or sign, I don't know. Who could, is there any, like, really good grappler out there? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's do that. Let's do that. Get Demetrius in there in these special fights, and we'll, uh, we'll have some fun. Anyway, uh, next week, then, we have no UFC, but we have two Cage Warriors cards, and they're uh, they're very, very good cards. Um, in the first night, we have Justin Burlinson, uh, main eventing against Daniel Skibinski. I was watching a bit of uh, Skibinski there as I pr- prepare for my uh, previews. And he's a very good, well-rounded fighter, can, can kind of do it all. And we know Justin Berlinson, he's been around for a long time, obviously lost his fight to get into uh, into the UFC and Dana White Contender Series uh, last year. It was last year. So uh, he'll be looking to bounce back here. Uh, Paul McBain is on the cards. Um, he was supposed to fight Decky McLean a while ago. James Sheehan, Adam Shelley... Ken Lochran and Ryan Shelley are all representing Ireland on the first night. Graham, a few words about them. The Shelley brothers, obviously coming from that Taekwondo background. I, w- I was watching a bit of them last night again. Two, they're, look, they're my sort of fighters. I, I like that, that sort of fighter. Um, they'll be very exciting to see. Ken Lochran as well, 4-0, but like his opponents, we have to we have to be honest about it. Uh, 0-0, 3-5, 0-39, and 0-31, with Reece Street and, and Will Kearns were two of those opponents. Now, he'll finally be fighting yeah. someone real coming in here, and Ian Dean won't be giving him... He's fighting someone, okay, who's 1-0, but uh, Ian Dean won't be giving him those sort of matchups in cage yeah. wars, and we'll see what he's really made of. He's very... Look, from what I've seen, he's very, very good. Now it's time to, to chew on. I don't know why he took those 31 or 0 and 31, 0 and 39 fights uh, because, you know, he's fighting much better guys in, in amateur throughout the years. Yeah, and, very good amateur. You know, so, so, yeah, that was that was a strange decision. Uh, I don't know, but, you know, we can kind of, there are two wins there, but he's since then he's gone 2-0 and, and, you know, he's not fighting the best guys, but he's fighting appropriate guys and, this is another appropriate guy. So, uh, yeah, I think he's probably expected to go in there and win. But, yeah, I think his, his record is a bit, you know, a bit inflated at the moment with the, with Reece Street on it. I think anybody with Reece Street on their record, you can kind of forget about that. 
the Shelley brothers, obviously, uh, really good strikers. Uh, Ryan is still undefeated as a pro, 3-0. and Has some good wins there. Um, Adam Shelley lost to, to his pro, in his pro debut to Kenny Mokawana, who we talked about earlier by submission. Obviously, he's a he's a 3-0 prospect now, 3-0 pro prospect now himself. So, uh, no shame in that. And he had a nice uh, decision win there in his last outing. So, it's important for... Adam to get another win here. He's obviously had a, a good uh, amateur career as well, fought on Cage Warriors Academy shows and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a, these are good matchups uh, to see where these all these Irish guys are at. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Dean, Dean, Dean earlier. He's he knows what he's doing. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see you know where these guys are really at. Yeah, and and James Sheehan as well. You know, lost two of his first three fights, but to Matt Bonner and Ian Gary, you know, two Cage Warriors champions. So, what a tough, uh, what a tough start for him! But has... it seems like he's been around a lot longer for some reason. Yeah. He's only had five fights, I suppose, because he's fighting, you know, big fights like uh, you know Matthew Bonner, Dylan Manning, Ian Gary, things like that. So, yeah, he's a. Uh, you may look at his record at three and two and think he's kind of up and down, but if you look at who he's lost to and you know making his pro debut against Matt, Matt Bonner, that was like five years ago. So he's probably a completely different fighter than then and went to the decision with Ian Gary three years ago. Since then, hasn't lost. So yeah, it's a big fight for him. He's high up on the card. He can make a real statement here move to move to four and two four and two looks a lot better than three and three the opportunities you'll be getting probably be be better and you know he's a he's a tough he's a he's a tough matchup you know these these sheehan's the the they're uh there's something to deal with you know can't you, can, you can speak to that i need that guy yeah he's looking forward to, to keep the, the the sheehan name going so very very good uh very good. Looking forward to seeing he's, James. He's, he's dead. To, dead to you if he loses. Dead to me if he loses. He's not no longer as you. No longer as you. Uh, the Saturday night Cardin. There's some very good names, and that Gianderson um, Castro versus uh, Alexi Mendikivi fight is one kind of on the undercard that sticks out to me. Um, you've heard uh, Jakey talking about Big Mike before. He's on this card. Um, Manny Akpan, I believe that fight. Uh, against Tom Mearns is off, uh, but they uh, will be looking for a replacement for Manny Akpan. Manny Akpan, my favourite undercard Cage Warriors fighter that's not Irish these days. I just think he's so exciting. He's really good. I was tuning in for him. Luke Riley out of Paddy Pimblett's gym. Uh, he's 2 0. He's fighting another 2 0 on Jack Elgin. Uh, so he's a top prospect. And that Dylan Hazan is on this card at 7 0 as well. Um, Josh Reed. I always tune in for a Josh Reed fight, one of the most exciting guys on the scene. Uh, Gerardo Fanny against Aaron Aby, that should be a fantastic fight. And in the middle of that title is up for grabs in the main event. Uh, Jatty Milan, who came in uh, on his last uh, in his last fight and beat the aforementioned Matt Brown. Uh, Matt Bonner, sorry, Matt Brown. Bonner, yeah. <laughs> Matt Brown on the fucking brain. Uh, he's fighting Christian Leroy Duncan. Someone's always got to go on that one. You know, Christian Leroy Duncan only five fights into his career and one of those was uh, a weird finish against uh, against Will Curry after uh, a couple of minutes of, of the second round. With the, was it was a night or something like that. But they yeah. fought again. Obviously, he won the, the rematch. Didn't beat Justin Moore, uh, the, the veteran in his last fight. So, uh, a, a fast track in it, but he looks well able for it. I'm looking forward to... Uh, uh, to seeing uh, to seeing that fight, it's a tough one. Honestly, that's a tough one to pick because I picked Jaddy Milan going into the the last fight against Matt Bonner based on his wrestling and his strength more than anything else. But I think he's going to find it hard to wrestle and outstrain Christian Leroy Duncan because he's a big tough guy. Uh, we looking for. I, I'd love to see him at the weigh-ins and I'd love to see him. Uh, you know, line up against each other to see maybe who has the size advantage there. But let's see what it says here for their for their heights and stuff like that. Um, five foot eleven for Jatty Milan, 
and for Christian Leroy Duncan it is six two. So yeah, Christian is is a bit bigger than Murray, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who the stronger one is there. But look, Cage Warriors always deliver, and you can be uh, assured, I think, of uh, two very very good cards when you uh, when you come in there uh, for that one. Um, Right. What, what did you think, Graham, before we go? Nate Diaz calling for his UFC release over on Twitter last night. Do you, you think you get it? Uh, Nate Diaz calling for things on Twitter. Like, it's just uh, just over my head at this stage. Um, uh, no, like, I don't know. Nate Diaz um, and the UFC relations are obviously very strained for the last, what, 15 years. <laughs> so uh, when Nate Diaz comes out and says something in public, he's probably trying to make something happen behind the scenes. I think uh, is he looking to get out of his UFC contract? If they don't give him what he wants, he'd probably like to get out get out of it. And what he wants is probably it's probably more than the UFC want to give him. But you know, are UFC just going to release a fighter that can draw that they don't have to release who's under contract? Yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah, especially not a big draw like uh, like Nathan Diaz. So I, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I, look, they're going to get offered him someone. He'd probably lose, and I think they'll probably re-sign him because Nate's not going to get a lot of money from anywhere else. I don't think. Um, if he went like bare knuckle boxing or something, he'd probably make yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, but, but like you get I one or two fights there, and that'll be yeah, that, like, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. He can do that at the end of the very end of his career. No, no better. Yeah. Uh, Connor versus Usman. You don't. You down for that? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think that'd be a good idea. I think uh, we, me and you talked about it uh, for I don't know the best part of a year now. I think coming back in against you know I think you mentioned Ferguson, Tony Ferguson as a as a warm up fight would be the the best thing for for Connor, but you know he seems to be in a completely different mindset if he wants to come in and get a title shot and that's what he's pushing towards. And you know Dana White doesn't seem to be opposed to it. I'm sure. Uh, big fights are what like the the Endeavor heads and the Disney heads and all the, the the brass that are that are you know trying to make as much money as possible are looking for and ESPN obviously want the biggest fights they can put on as well but I think the the Oliveira title shot is the the more likely one to actually happen but in an ideal world if I was if I was matchmaking for the you know the best thing for Conor's career I'd probably put him in there against you know a Tony Ferguson or somebody like that. I 100% totally agree. It was funny, like, when I spoke to Conor a couple of weeks ago, he said he wants to come back at 100. He, look, he said 170, 155, but he's thinking 155. And then he does another interview with uh, the, the Backlife, and then he said 170. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's all about options. You yeah. said that over the years, like, I want to keep my options open, yeah. you know, be in as many conversations as possible. Like, if something does happen, you know, if Usman is scheduled to, to fight somebody, it falls apart. The kind of the backstory is already there, you know. He knows how the game works. You want to keep your keep your finger in as many pies as you can. Indeed, indeed, and he has them in many of them. But sure, uh, he, did you see the video that came out of him driving down the road after he got arrested as well? I thought yeah, arrest that man and throw away the key. <laughs> uh, driving, driving uh, slightly slower than the other cars. Trying to get a trying to get off the exit. Like uh, I don't know, just uh, yeah. this man has to be stopped. This man, throw away the key. How dare yeah that. In fairness, now McGregor. I'd say there was uh, that one. Allegedly, allegedly, I'd say there was some uh, reports getting lost and rewritten there when that that video emerged by the old uh, Garda. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't see many people putting that into their reports, but anyway, uh, right. 
we will leave it at that. Sure, we have much more to talk about. There's probably loads more to talk about, but sure, we've half forgotten. But um, we will leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, it's uh, just about to come up to the start of the month. So if you want to sign up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. There's some great stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Spencer, Kite, joined myself and Harry, and we did two episodes of the State of the UFC. One of which I think we'll put out for free is about media. I went on for like an hour. It was a very, very interesting chat and um looking forward to everyone hearing that so um yeah you can follow me at shanchi and be actually don't bother following me follow graham at severe mma over on twitter at severe mma pod is our twitter account if you want to send us questions all week we'll have the q a out on tuesday this week hopefully if i get a chance to do it uh on uh, on patreon um you can follow our instagram as well severe mma d-o-t-c-o-m so severe on instagram loads of stuff going up there the lads andy and ian and quilsha and jakey and all have done a great job growing that over the last while so if you can if you do one thing today give a follow to that instagram it doesn't cost anything it's free and you'll get all that good stuff and if you want to do a second thing sign up on patreon it's only fiver the, the our price graham the fucking price of beer these days Five fifty. How actually? How'd you get on your holiday before we we uh, we we finish up Did the holiday? Yeah, goes? yeah. How much we were pints over there? Um, yeah, they were a lot less. They were. Focus. I think they were in three three something. Ah, here I'm hidden. I'm come on. We got them all today. Let's go. <laughs> we, we arrived unfortunately. It was basically a storm for the first two days ah, of balls. a three day trip. But uh, the last day we we got we got the got the sun in the end. But uh, yeah, there was a bit of a storm going on, so we had to battle through. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Doesn't rain but it pours, Graham. It doesn't rain but it pours. All right, we leave it there, lads. Thanks to everyone for listening. Graham, have you a quote to end us today? Okay. Um, spent the day in bed. Very happy I did. Yes, I spent the day in bed. As the workers stay enslaved, I spent the day in bed. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>